0: So we've been working through these values um, and what I love and I hope you're seeing this already as we've been going through this series is that there's kind of a flow, a natural flow through all of these values. And we first looked at this idea of pursuing the heart of God, of putting him first in everything that we do, seeking first the kingdom of God and the reality is that as we look to God, As we seek first his kingdom, then he begins to reveal to us who we are and whose we are. And then that brings about this idea of our God-given purpose. Because we are sons and daughters of the most high God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he placed us here. He placed us here with a purpose. He placed us not just on this earth, but he placed us in this town. And he placed us not just in this town, but in this town right now for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. And so Ruth shared uh, our hearts a couple of weeks ago about just us wanting to help each and every one of you find your God-given purpose, to understand not just that you were put here for a purpose, but what that purpose is, so that we can live out the calling that God has got for us in our lives and what part we can all play to advance His kingdom. And Ruth talked about one of the tools we use, a practical tool as a church called a shape questionnaire, looking at your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities your personality, and your experience. And so if you've not filmed out a shape questionnaire, um, come and speak to me or Ruth after the service. We will make sure you get one. Um, and you can just go through that form. It just it asks for some information, um, some questions to try and understand um, what it is that you are best at, where it is that you will best serve in God's kingdom, whether that be in church here or elsewhere, to understand uh, where your best fit is. You know, I had a boss um, prior to this, and she said that when you're in flow is when you're living out of purpose. And she's not a believer. This is just like a business principle. But it applies to God's kingdom that when you're best in flow is when you're living out your purpose. And so we just want to help you on that journey, help you to encourage uh, encourage you to find out what that is. And so that's it. Gary's already mentioned we've got a Teams night coming up. If you're on a team, be here. But if you are interested in joining a team, come along as well. That's just going to be an evening of uh, encouragement, of equipping, a bit of teaching, um, as well as some practical stuff. So please, if you're interested in joining a team, come along um, to that. That would be amazing. Okay, so before I get into more of the practical aspects of our third value, bringing hope to the community, I just want to look at the question, what is hope? What is hope? I think it's an important place to start. It gives us a, a solid foundation on which we can build this, this value of our house to understand the, the meaning of the true of true biblical hope so that we can then be effective when it comes to bringing that out into our community I found a phrase during my research on this topic that described hope like this it said hope is like a reservoir of emotional strength hope is like a reservoir of emotional strength and so let me just read to you what it what it said underneath that if I'm put down I look to the emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to return good for evil Without hope, I have no power to absorb the wrong and walk in love, and I sink into self-pity or self-justification. If I experience a setback in my planning, I get sick or things don't go the way I hoped in my job, for example, I look to that emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to keep on going and not give up. If I face temptation to be dishonest or to steal, or to lie, or to lust. I look to the emotional reservoir of hope for the strength to hold fast to the way of righteousness and deny myself some brief unsatisfying pleasure. I just love that idea of a reservoir of hope that we can just draw from when we are in need. And you know, so this this idea of hope is one of those words in the English language that has shifted its meaning dramatically. Like the word literally, how many times have you heard someone saying, I literally died when they said this to me? You didn't literally die, you are still here talking to me. And I think hope is one of those words that we have taken and it has just been kind of watered down and it's shifted into something that is not in line with the biblical definition of hope. We'll say things like, I hope this weather improves because I'm cold and miserable. Or I hope there's going to be something really nice for lunch after church. Or I hope I get that job that I have interviewed for. I hope, I hope, I hope. And we drop this word into everyday conversation, but it's not the same as true biblical hope. And in fact, the distinctive meaning of hope in scripture, it's almost the opposite of the way we're often using it. Now, I don't mean that biblical hope means we're hoping for something bad instead of something good in the future, but actually it's opposite in the sense that when we express hope, I hope the weather improves, I hope for this, I hope for that, it's almost this expression of uncertainty. I'm not sure what's coming, but I hope it will happen. I don't know which way this thing is going to go, but I hope for this outcome. But that's not the biblical definition of hope. Because biblical hope is not just a desire for something good in the future. It is a confident expectation. It's a confident expectation of that good thing in the future. There's a confidence in true biblical hope. And it's not just a desire for something good in the future. It expects it to happen. It expects that thing to happen. And it not only expects it to happen, but there is a confidence that it will happen. It is this sure foundation that we can stand on, knowing that we can trust in Creator God, in our Heavenly Father, that actually what He says will happen, will happen. That where He has put a desire in our heart, it will come to pass. We can have a confident expectation. In Hebrews chapter 6, the author is encouraging us with a message of perseverance. They write, He will not forget how hard you have worked for him, that is God. And you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And then they continue this message of perseverance with, with a warning. It says, Keep on loving. Don't give up or slow down or lose your passion. In the ESV it says, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. A confident hope is not wishful thinking. It's not fingers crossed. It's not lip biting, nail biting uncertainty. But a confident hope. It's a certain hope. And it's the kind of hope that requires faith. And a few chapters on in Hebrews 10, we read, Let us go right into the presence of God with a true heart in the full assurance of faith. We're approaching God's throne with boldness and with the assurance of faith. And then it goes on in the next verse, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Notice that, that this hope that we have, this confident expectation is a hope that should not waver because it is rooted in the faithfulness of God. The God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. The God whose promises are always true. Our hoping God should not waver. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. In God, we can have hope, a confident expectation, an assurance of even that which we have not seen. And you could paraphrase this verse, that wherever there is a full assurance of hope, there is faith. Faith is the full assurance of hope and biblical faith is confident expectation and desire for good things in the future. Because God wants the best for each and every one of us. He has got a life plan for you that is living life to the full. He wants the best for each and every one of us. And so we can have faith in that. We can have a confident expectation that our future is is bright that the best is yet to come. And so that's just a really kind of brief overview looking at this question of what is hope but then we come to looking at it in the in the context of our value as a church bringing hope to the community. We are a church that should be bringing hope to our community. And you know I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. And that is a massive claim to make, isn't it? That's a massive statement to make. So let me just bring it down a little bit, maybe make it a bit easier to swallow. I believe that Hope Church Lytham is the hope of Lytham St. Anne's. I believe our little church here in Lytham is the hope of our community. Let me read to you from Matthew 25. It says this, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll place the sheep at his right and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply to the Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. He's saying that whenever we show kindness to people in our community, we're showing kindness to God. That every single time you put someone else above your own desires, you're putting God above yourself. That every time you help that person or you support that person or you give in that way, you're not just giving to the one. That is in front of you that you can see, but you're giving to God. You know, even before we, uh, Ruth and I sat down and, and sought God for the vision and values of this house. It was in 2019 and I was sat in the grounds of Matisse Bible College and I was just sitting with my journal open and and asking God what he wanted to say to me about our church and about our future. And I felt really clearly, more clearly than I've heard uh, a number of times, God saying that we are to be a church that is needed in our community. And I'm sitting there on the grass thinking about what I've just written down on the page. And I'm like, how are we supposed to do this? How is a small church in the corner of Lytham supposed to be so bold as to be needed in our community? And so I was like, God, you're going to have to just bring this down a notch just for a moment, just... This is quite an overwhelming statement that you're making. Just bring it down to a level that I can swallow. And so he is so gracious and he said, all right, I can do that. Just start by being known. Just get out there and get known in your community so that people recognize you, so that people can see who you are and what it is that you're doing. But the big picture that God put on my heart was not just that we would be known, but that we would be needed. And what that meant was that if Hope Church Litham was to be removed, whether that is we're all raptured or we're blown up or we run out of money and so we have to shut up shop and go home, whatever it might be, the big picture of what God was saying was that if we were not here, there would be a gap, not just on this plot, but in our community that there would be needs no longer being met because we are not here. That is what it would look like for us to be a church that is needed in our community. Let me just read to you an email that I received this week. Dear John, the mayor of Fylde, Councillor Cheryl Little would like to invite volunteers at Hope Church to a celebratory event to recognise the valued contribution that you have made in field and to thank you in person. That's an email I received last week. In 2019, God spoke to me that we were to be a church needed in our community. And then he brought it down and said, just be known. And people began to know us and we were invited into conversations and we were beginning to move in our community. And here we are four years later and the local council is inviting us into their building to say thank you for the work that we do. That is what we hope Church Lytham have achieved in just four years with the power of God. And thank each and every one of you for the way in which you have supported us from when we shared the vision way back when. That you've caught hold of this and you've run with it and we are serving our community. And now we can say we are needed in our community. We are needed in our community. And I only believe that it's going to get bigger and bigger. That actually if we were to be removed now, there would be a gap. But if we're to be removed next year or the year after or the year after, that gap would be far greater than it is today because God is at work in us and God is at work through us because he spoke a word and we can have a confident expectation that that word will come true and it has. And so this idea, this value of bringing hope to our community is born out of the calling on our lives to love people. And so this is where we see this flow from the vision into our values and it flows out of a place of loving God. We're called first and foremost to love God above everything else and then out of that to love our neighbour as ourselves and so we're going through this journey And that phrase, to love your neighbor, it's found nine times in the Bible. When there is repetition in Scripture, you've got to sit up and listen because there is an importance to it. But the fun thing is that not only is it repeated in Scripture, God makes it a commandment. This isn't just a nice idea that you should be loving people. This isn't just something that would be good for you to do. He commanded it you have to love people you have to get out there and love even the unlovable you know i love church i love coming here on a sunday and singing praises with all of you i love hanging out afterwards and sharing tea and having some cake and all of that stuff it's so fun and i absolutely love it but that's only a tiny part of the call on our lives as followers of Jesus because we can't contain this message of hope within these four walls. It has to break out. It has to be carried inside of us, out there into the community so that wherever we go, we take the hope of Jesus into other people's lives. We need to fling open the doors and move outside of this building. You know, I've used this analogy before, but I'll share it again. That I think sometimes church can feel a little bit like a GP surgery. No, not it's hard to get an appointment, but but that we sit here in our comfortable surroundings and and we know what it is that it, it looks like to be in church and we kind of sit here and expect the hurt and the broken to come into the four walls of our church so that we can give them some hope, so that we can lay hands on them and pray for them, so that we can comfort them and support them in the comfort of our own home. But that is not the church that God designed. And that actually we should be more like paramedics racing out into our community and bringing hope with us. Let's not sit down and get comfortable and get complacent in church. But let's recognize that God is calling us to take the hope that we have into our world. And the amazing thing is that each and every one of you has a unique opportunity. You know, whether you're at work or whether you're caring for someone or whether you're volunteering or whatever it is that you do in your life outside of these walls, you have a unique opportunity, you have a unique sphere of influence into which you can bring the hope of God. No one else in this room has the same connections as you. And so it is your call. It is your job to take that hope with you and to share it with those you come into contact with. We're called to be human beings and not human doings. And so I think that's quite an interesting phrase if you apply it to the church. Because are we just doing church or are we being church? You know, we know what it looks like to do church. It's pretty easy. We, you know, if you've been coming to church for any number of time, you'll know what it looks like to do church. You know, you come in and you grab a tea and you sit down in your chair and you stand up when we sing and you sit down when we talk. And we know the formula. We know the routine of doing church. But do you think that was Jesus' design for church? that we should come in and we should follow this formula and we should do all of these things and tick off the box and say, I've done church. Or are we supposed to be the church? Because Jesus said, I will build my church. He said, I'll build my church right here and the power of hell won't conquer it. And so we need to find this shift from doing church to being church, because doing church as nice as it is, is not enough. We've got to be the church. N.T. Wright describes church like this. He said, the church is first and foremost a community, a collection of people who belong to one another because they belong to God, the God we know in and through Jesus. And then he goes on to say what the church is for. He says, the church exists for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. You can and must worship and work for God's kingdom in private and in ways unique to yourself. But if the kingdom is to go forward rather than around and around in circles, we must work together as well as apart You know, like Ruth shared a couple of weeks ago when we looked at our God-given purpose, we each have a role to play. We each have a specific purpose. God has a plan for your life and we all need to play our parts. I think Ruth used the analogy of being a little toe and it might seem insignificant and unimportant, but without that little toe, we lose balance and fall over. We need everyone, no matter what role you do. You know, we can fall into the trap of, well, one job is more important than another within God's kingdom. And so I want to be an apostle or a prophet. I don't want to just be serving on the coffee bar or whatever it might be. But the reality is that all these jobs are important. All these roles are important in God's God's kingdom. And so we've got to play our part, whatever part that might be. And we've got to play it to the best of our abilities. We've got to serve his kingdom. We've got to be the church. And the truth is that being the church, it doesn't just stop when we drive out of the car park. And being church doesn't stop when you get home. And being church doesn't stop when you get to work. Being church doesn't stop ever. If you have invited Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, you are his church. And that never stops. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you are now his church. And so we've got to live in that way. The church, when functioning as it was intended to do, is so powerful. It is so powerful. So powerful, Jesus says, that no schemes of the devil, no plans of, the, of hell can come against it. We're a force to be reckoned with. When we flow through what it is we've been talking about, putting God first, loving those around us, pursuing him, recognizing our purpose, when we begin to play our part, when we work in unity with one another, with one goal, we're a force to be reckoned with. We are stronger than you could imagine. That no matter what gets thrown at us, we won't be stopped. We won't be beaten. We won't be broken. Because we have a calling. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And hear this, we have all the authority and power in heaven. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you when you've invited the Lord into your life. And so everything that you could imagine God can do, you can do. You can do. We can believe to see the sick healed. We can believe to see families restored. We can believe to see the dead raised to life again because the Holy Spirit is alive and working in us and through us. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives within you and lives within me. And so why not believe for the unbelievable? Why not ask those big things, those bold things, those things that maybe make you shake and quake and uncomfortable? What this means is that we can go to those who need Jesus the most. Not to bash them over the head with our Bibles, but to show them his love through the words that we say And the things that we do, because we have this gift and this opportunity of bringing hope to our community, of bringing hope into our community through the way that we live, through the way that we love. And as the church, we need to be fulfilling this calling to love our neighbor and to bring hope into our community. As part of the the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus describes his followers as the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, it says that you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Just as an aside, that's really important. Not look at all the good things that I have done so that I can get the glory and I can get the praise. But let your light shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Because it's not about me and building my kingdom and building my uh, authority It's about me humbling myself to do the work of God, to be his hands and to be his feet so that he gets all the glory, so that he gets all of the praise. But if we stay within the confines of these four walls, if we stay in our comfortable GP surgery, it's like lighting a lamp and putting it under a basket because the world can't see. You know, we might be fortunate enough that someone walks by and decides to come in. But it would be far more effective if we took what we have outside. If we took it out into our community. And we know this, don't we? I I don't think that anything that I'm saying this morning is coming as a, a magical revelation to everyone here but I still think we need to hear it and be reminded of how it is that God intends us to live that this is the way in what which God intended and designed for us and so our hope as a church is that as we journey to discover your passions and your God-given potential and purpose and then we highlight opportunities and give real world examples of how we can live that out in our lives Our hope is that we, Hope Church Lytham, can be the hope of our community. That we can be the hope of our community. That we will be a church and we will continue to be a church that is needed by our community. It is one of the things that we value the most as a church. That we should be bringing hope to the community. And so how are we doing that? We're already doing it. How are we doing it? We've got our cafe on a Monday and once a month on a Friday. We've got the Dementia Singing Group on a Monday, which is just incredible. And I'm in conversations with them to hopefully get them here on our carol service to do a performance for us, which would be amazing. So you can see the work that goes on there. We're doing all kinds of things. We've got our team, Forget Me Not's team, out there giving furniture and bedding and just blessing families who are in desperate need in our community. Ruth is about to launch next month a mental health course for young people and she's going to share more on that next week. We are bringing hope to our community in a whole bunch of ways. And that's just the way in which we as a church are doing it corporately. But then each and every one of you individually are also bringing hope to the community through the way in which you live and love. And that is what God wants for us. That is his design. That is his desire that we would be his hands and his feet in his world and so we need to pursue the heart of God with all that we are with everything that we have and as we do that not only will we get a greater revelation of who he is but we'll get a greater revelation of who we are and who we can be in him and you know i think i think some of us maybe we can we can have this moment of just introspection and looking at ourselves and our lives and thinking about what we can bring and maybe we look at what we are who we are and what we've got and we don't see anything of worth we maybe look at ourselves and think what have I got to give (coughs) and maybe we think I've not got anything Or I've got so little that it's not really of any value at all. But just read the Jesus story and see how many times he looked at what little someone was willing to give and what incredible things he did with it. You know, that boy bringing his packed lunch was then fed fed 5,000 plus people. Jesus pointed out in the temple, the lady who who gave just a tiny offering as opposed to the guy who gave plenty, but she gave all she had, even though it was just a token gesture in the grand scheme of things. God looked at what she gave and he was overwhelmed because of her heart, because of the attitude and the 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 character and the humility with which she brought what she had. And so, God is maybe saying to someone in this place this morning that you may look at yourself and think, I have nothing of worth or nothing of value to give to his kingdom, but he's saying, Whatever you have, give it. I see your heart, I see your humility. And he is so pleased with what you have to bring. And he can do so much with it. As we build relationship with our Heavenly Father, he just reveals more and more of his goodness. And he reveals more and more of the potential that he saw in each and every one of us from the beginning of time. If you're in any doubt of how much God loves you, just look to the cross. Just look to the cross where Jesus gave everything that he had for you and for me. For God so loved the world. Maybe you need to put your name in that just to, just to give it some personal, uh, personal impact. God loved me so much. God loved me so much that he gave his one and only son. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. So that we can have relationship with our father, so that we can have eternal life in his presence. And as we see ourselves as loved, as sons and daughters of God, as we see the value in our lives that he sees in our lives. It gives us the freedom and the the power and the authority to love on our neighbours and love on our community with the same sacrificial love that he loves us, so that we can feed the hungry, so that we can give a drink to the thirsty, so that we can clothe the naked, so that we can visit those in prison, so that we can heal those who are sick. And every time we do something like that, we're doing it for God. We're doing it for him. And so let's get out there. Let's break out into our community. Let's step into our sphere of influence and bring the hope of Jesus with us. Let's bring it with us. Let's be a church that brings hope to our community. Why don't we pray? Yeah, Father God, once again, I just want to thank you for the unique sets of characteristics and passions and desires that you have placed in each and every one of us. I thank you that from the beginning of time, you knew who we, are, who we were who we were going to be, when we were going to be, and where we were going to be. That you placed us here for such a time as this. With our unique selves. So that we can not only receive that gift of hope, but that we can take it with us and share it with others. God, I pray that this morning throughout the words that we have spoken, that maybe you've just reminded us of what it means to have true biblical hope, that confident expectation that you are with us, that you are for us, and that we have all authority and power that comes from heaven. And I pray that with that renewed revelation of hope, that we can step out of these four walls and into our community bringing with us that hope that is so desperately needed in a broken and hurting world. That God, you would show us new opportunities, new ways in which we can bring hope to those around us. That maybe you've stirred something within us this morning that wants us to get involved in one of the uh, the projects that we're already running. And that we would be reminded that all of this, everything that we do, is not for me and for my credit and for my glory, but it's all for you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, through whom we wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff anyway. It's not because of me that we've been invited into this council recognition meeting. It's because of you. It's not because of anything that we've done, but everything that you have called us to do. And so I pray that we would have lives that are are, are humble. That we would just remind ourselves that there needs to be less of me and more of you. You deserve all the honor. You deserve all the glory. And so we praise you and we thank you for the privilege that we have to serve your kingdom in whatever way we do. In Jesus' name.